Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. And your grace holds me now. Your grace holds me Beautiful. Grace holds me now. Think about what we're singing this morning. Grace actually holds us. Sin has no power over us. When we were broken, we're now restored in Jesus Christ. What the enemy meant for evil, God has turned for good. Grace holds us. We stand on the ground of grace. Healed and forgiven, secure, steadfast, righteous, all because of Jesus. You know, when we sing songs... I like to remind our church, these aren't just words that were written to give us some sort of uh, feel good. This is theology. This is belief. This is doctrine. This is understanding when we sing songs of who Jesus is in our life. And this morning, I want to remind you, you are healed and forgiven. God has forgiven you. Maybe you're in a position where you don't feel you've forgiven yourself, but the grace of God holds you. And he's keeping you this morning. I want to pray this morning before we get started. I have a word in my spirit for our church today. But before we get started, I want to pray that we would see God settle his love in you even greater this morning. Settle in you, maybe in a way that that hasn't before. I found that as I lead people and as I encourage people all throughout the years, one of the hardest things that for people is to grab a hold of God's love for themselves. They equate their belief in God and their love for God based on how they've lived their life. And I think what people forget is that Scripture teaches us that before we were born, Christ died for us. How beautiful is that? Christ died for us before we were even born. Before there was a thought in our mind to do anything right or wrong or to build a future or to live our life Jesus Christ died for you, died for me so this morning we can stand in that grace, healed and forgiven, no longer broken by shame, by sin by guilt, we can stand firm in the presence of God knowing his grace covers us let me pray for you this morning church, if you would, would you just bow your head with me, let's take this moment of prayer seriously and Let's give God thanks for what he's doing this morning, what he's done in this season. Let's thank him that in the midst of all this chaos and crisis, he is consistent in our life. Father, we thank you this morning that you are consistent. Lord God, we thank you that because of your Holy Spirit, we have the peace of God and we rest in the power of God. Lord, thank you that we don't walk as victims in this crisis. Lord, we walk victorious. This morning, God, lift our eyes to be able to see the mountain of your grace. How high it is, how wide it is, how large it is, God. Let us be able to see not the smallness of our mistakes, not the smallness of our thinking, not the smallness of where we've gone wrong, but the greatness of your plan over our lives, over our future, over our families. Lord God, we declare today that we are the righteousness of Christ. We stand confident in the grace of God. We thank you, Lord, that our past is just that. It is the past. It has been washed away. We've been set free. 
we stand before you holy and righteous as your sons and as your daughters. God, give us the grace to lead in this season, not to be victims to it, not to sit back and wait and see what the government says or to see what our neighbor says or to see what people at work say, but Lord, for us to hear the voice of the Lord so clear for ourselves, for our future, for our families, for our finances, God, that we would see it and the grace that covers it all. In your mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Good to be with you, church. Great to be in the house again. I know you're in your house. I'm in this house, Grace Avenue's house, doing what I do. And um, I'm excited about what we're starting today. Brand new series called Reset. Um, This has been in my spirit for a few weeks. I know all the last couple of months, last few months, I'm losing track of time. Last few months has been full of all kinds of question marks and Uh, us not knowing exactly what is next. I remember when we were two weeks into this, calculating the possibility of this being another two weeks or another four weeks, and here we are three months later almost, and we're in this boat together. And some things have been stirring in me just the last month that I just wanted to communicate to our church in this season. As so much is changing and so much is shifting, what the Lord has put in my heart and what I've been sharing with our staff and our team and, and our leaders and, and even other pastors across the nation, just close friends of where I feel the Lord is, is leading us and just where he's leading me personally. Um, I guess I could start by saying like this, in 2020, God has gotten our attention. He's gotten the attention of every Christian in America. He's gotten the attention of every single church in America. In some ways, we're all on the same page. Maybe different scenarios, different circumstances, but we're all on the same page when it comes to this aspect. We all, as Christians, and we all as pastors, and we all as churches, all asking the same question, what does the future hold? What does the future hold? Uh, We know that we know there is a delay on things that we thought we would get back to. Uh, Some people were just anxious to get back to normal, whatever normal was. But now that that hasn't happened, people are questioning, okay, what does the future hold? And so for most of us, obviously, our faith is strong. Our faith in this has been strong and constant, but, but we don't know what normal is going to be. We don't know what normal is going to return to. We don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know what it's going to look like for us. But nevertheless, our lives and our livelihoods uh, have been disrupted. They've been altered. They've been shifted. Well, I believe we've been positioned as God's people for a reset. I believe we've been positioned for a reset in many areas of our life. Reset in the way we get up in the morning. Reset in what we find as valuable, what we call important, a reset in our marriage, a reset in our family, a a reset in how we take care of ourselves, a, a reset in the pace of life that we were living, a reset in the way we're handling our finances, a reset uh, in you know, our sleep patterns. I mean, there are so many areas we could go on about where we're looking at our lives and resetting things. What does it mean to reset? I'll give you a definition here. Reset means to set again or set differently. That's what it means to reset, to set again or differently. You notice every time... You go to uh, the shop to get your oil changed, and they call you in, and they change your oil, and then before you leave, they reset 
the numbers on that screen on your dashboard. Why do they do that? Because they do that to calculate not where you've been, but they do it to calculate where you're going to go. They don't calculate what the past was. They calculate what the future is going to be. They reset the numbers on your dashboard. That's a lot what life is like right now. Uh, Whatever was no longer is in many ways for some of us. The pace we were running at, what we thought the plan for 2020 would be. Uh, Some of us thought we would start a business. Some of us thought we'd be thriving in this quarter. Uh, Some of us are are just in so many different arenas. arenas. Weddings have been put off. Graduations have been put off. Businesses have been halted completely or some halted from starting or launching. Some churches I know have ceased their plan to launch. So there's all kinds of things being reset right now. But as a church, we can make the most of this season. We can make the most of all of the things that are on our plate right now and really think through, what are the areas that need adjustment? What are the areas that need realignment? What are the areas that need our dedication? If your life was like mine, there's a lot of spinning plates, and you're just trying to make sure none of those plates fall and break. And when they do, you try to put another one up there as fast as you can. Well, life has come down for, for everyone, not just me, but for everyone. No matter how responsible we still are with, with kids and pets and you know, bills, we've still, to a degree, slowed down our pace. The entire nation, every pastor, every church, every Christian has slowed down and has now reset their life. Resetting their value, resetting their vision, resetting their family, their focus. Notice what I'm talking about today is not about self-improvement. This is about honoring God by resetting our life. Self-improvement is one thing. I'm talking about each one of us resetting ourselves to the place where we know that we know that we know God is first in every area of our life. We have a chance to do that. Never in my lifetime have we ever had a chance to do that. We have to catch things as we go because the pace of our life is so busy. I want to go to 1 Kings chapter 17. If you have your Bible, you can open it up to 1 Kings 17. We're going to read about Elijah here. I'll be in verse 2. I'm going to cover some of this story today and some next week. Such a powerful story about Elijah and his life. He's such a powerful figure as a prophet in the Old Testament. And there's so much to his life and so much to his story and so much that we can learn from him. And so I'm going to give you just a a piece of his life here that we pick up on in the middle of this story in 1 Kings 17. Go straight to verse 2. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, And hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. There you will drink from the brook, and I've directed the ravens to supply you with food there. And so he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Very important verse. Next one right here. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I want you to catch that. Sometime later, not when God called him, but sometime later, not when the ravens were feeding him and bringing miraculous provision into his life, but sometime later, not when he obeyed God, but sometime later, 
Not when he'd done what God had asked him to do, but sometime later. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. What do you do in life when the brook dries up? What do you do when the brook dries up in your marriage, in your finances, in your job, in your plans, in your dreams? What do you do when you have responded to what God said? God's brought provision. He's brought vision. He's built your life. He's moved you forward. And you find yourself in a season where the brook dries up. I can tell you as I've followed God over the years, I think over the last couple of decades, I see in my life seasons that were really confusing. But what was really happening now that I look back is the brook had dried up. That season was over. There was no more rain in the land. God was calling me to move forward to reset where I was, to reset the place that I had been living or working or standing or standing in or being obedient to. God called me to reset and to do what? To transition from where I was into what is next. That's what I want to talk about today, navigating transition. Because as we reset our lives, every time God asks us to do it, we're going to have to navigate transition. And what do you do? When you have to transition, when you have to navigate the pathways of what you've known versus what's now happening. What do you do when what's always worked no longer does? Uh, what, do you, what do you do when what was familiar, what you've always known is now foreign? The life, the job, the processes, the season. God calls you to move out of state, move to another city, switch careers, switch jobs, work under a different boss, work under a different system. You know, maybe even be demoted in some ways. You notice how we always love being promoted. But I don't know anybody that loves being demoted. Like I've never seen somebody shout out on Facebook that they've been demoted and celebrate it. Yet in the kingdom of God, demotion is always a pathway that God uses. He never uses it for nothing. He never lets it go to waste. Now, all we tend to see is promotion. If we get the job, if we get the position, if we get the title, if we get the advancement, if we get the deal, if we get the client, if we close on this deal, if we close on that building, if we close on that house, if we, if our kid gets in that school, we think, hey, promotion, it comes from God. Can I tell you sometimes demotion comes from God as well? I'm not saying it's fun. I'm just saying it comes. You can say amen. You don't have to, but it happens anyway. Okay, let's pick back up. What do you do in life when the brook dries up? When what always has worked no longer does, when what was familiar is now foreign, when that which was consistent provision and sustenance, God using the ravens to supply in your life, is now a closing chapter in your life. This is where Elijah was. There's a a chapter that's closing in his life. God had directed him. God had spoken. God had provided. God had established. God had sustained And then the brook dried up. And Elijah's in transition. He's having to reset his life and how he's known God will provide him for him and how God will direct him. Elijah is facing change. Elijah is facing transition. And if there's one thing in life that I'm really trying to get at in this message, as we reset our lives, as we reset our church in this season, it's this. Change is constant. 
Change is constant. Over time, change happens in us, change happens to us, and change happens around us, right? If, there, there's always tra- transition happening in and through our life and around our life. It's constant, which means transition is inevitable. If this thing is changing from what was to what is, that means a transition has taken place, and a transition is something that I have to accept, walk through, embrace, and discover as I walk with God into this next season. I can resist change, but change happens anyway. I can complain about change, but change happens anyway. I can fight change, but change happens anyway. Come on, some of you who are still stuck on the oldie station and won't get into any new music. And we're not talking about music even in the last year. Some of you haven't turned the radio on in the last 30 years. You're stuck in what was. There is new stuff happening. Yeah, I know a lot of it isn't good. I know a lot of it's trash. Trust me, I agree with you on that. But there has been stuff over time. I'm a music connoisseur. I can tell you there's some garbage out there. But there has been some good stuff. But some of us are still stuck in oldies. Oldies aren't bad. It's just something that's changed. Hey, I was spinning some records this week. I was spinning some Sam Cooke. If you're old enough to, to know who Sam Cooke is and you're listening to this, po- podca- uh, this podcast or this message today, God bless you. Because he's an oldie. He died in the 60s. Okay? But that was a time. Times have changed. Life has changed. Sam Cooke's last song that kind of exploded right after he died was, A change is going to come. He was talking about civil rights. He was talking about the way at the time black people were treated there in the 60s with the civil rights movement in full force with Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and Medgar Evers and all these people actively working, the Kennedys, in and around the tense environment of our nation. And Sam Cooke had a vision in his life to be able to say, a change is going to come because change always comes. And change brings with it transition. Now, change isn't something that we should fear. God has not given us a spirit spirit of fear. None of us should be able to walk in fear when it comes to change. Yeah, maybe fear in the sense of we don't know what's ahead, but not fear that paralyzes us and trips us up and stops us from praying and stops us from worshiping and stops us from giving and stops us from being generous and stops us from helping people and, and kind of bottles us up and puts walls around us and gets us in this place where we're just worried about us four and no more. No, change should lead us and propel us into what God has next. It should lead us into transition. Transition, what is that? It's the process or a period of changing from one state or condition to another. Let me read that again. Transition. It's the process. Come on. It's a process. It's going to take time. It's moving from where you were to what God has next. It's the process or a period, a time frame of changing from one state where the ravens fed you, where the brook flowed, where there was provision, where things were consistent, where things were familiar, to a different condition. Not necessarily bad, but different. Why do we always think change is bad? Because it disrupts our familiarity. Come on. Are you the person like me that when the remote control is not in the place it should be, you almost lose your faith in God? I get it, right? Things should be in their proper place, so we shouldn't have to look for them. It's never my fault. It's always someone else's fault in my house. I can assure you of that. But nevertheless, what I'm saying 
It's transition is the process, period. Changing from one state or condition to another. Every one of us is in the transition. Right now, your dog at your house is transitioning some hair off of his body and shedding it onto your couch or in the house. Your kids are transitioning. I went out yesterday, this week, and talked to the neighbors and their kid, one of their kids who, you know, shoot baskets with him here and there. He's 10 years old and he's already, he already looks like he's stretched, you know, two, three inches just in, in the last few months of all this going on. Change is always happening. Transition is always happening around us. A new boss, a new direction, a new challenge, a new thing that we're facing. You know, as a church, there's not been one day in the last 10 years as a church where, the, where one Sunday has been the same as the last Sunday. Someone always gets saved. Someone's life always changes. Someone joins a church. Someone comes in and starts serving. Someone starts giving. There's always transition. Now, it feels the same to many people, but underneath the hood, if you really look, transition is always happening. Transition is happening around us, to us, and in us. When we look at Acts chapter 16, verse 6 and 7, there won't be a verse here for you to read, but, but it's where the apostle Paul is going to preach the gospel, and it says that the Holy Spirit would not allow him to go to the place he thought he was going to go. The brook dried up for that season. He thought he was going this way. Bam, the Holy Spirit would not allow him. A lot of times, that's not in our theology. We think if we pray it and we want it, that God's just going to make it happen. But here we see God himself stop the Apostle Paul, someone who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, was stopped by God from doing something that's not a bad thing, that's actually a good thing, but God stopped it and redirected him and changed his direction and transitioned him into something else. What I'm saying is, if we're going to be faithful followers, we have to learn how to shift with God. We have to learn to to shift with the seasons and, and the transitions that come. We can't stay stuck in what was. We can't stay stuck in the way that we think things should be. Nothing gets people more stuck than looking at the way things used to be and lamenting and mourning the way things used to be. Things change, and we can't stop it. The disciples had to make a shift away from spending time with Jesus every single day to going to a place where they would trust in the Holy Spirit's guidance for their future, for their day. Now, that wasn't a surprise to Jesus. It was a surprise to them. But Jesus already told them what it was going to be like, but they didn't hear it. They didn't hear the change was coming. They didn't know how to embrace the transition that they would come. In fact, he even taught them how to pray through it. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Not give us next year. Give us this day. Sometimes the reason it's so hard for us to embrace transition and change is because we're wondering about what next year is going to be like or what next month is going to be like. God's saying, I want you to pray and focus on today, on what I've provided you for today, the daily bread, not next year's bread. You can't freeze dry this bread. No, he said, give us today our daily bread. Come on, David, who reigned as king, had to shift away from Saul. Elisha and Elijah had to make a shift in their relationship. Paul had to hand things off to Timothy and empower Timothy. Timothy had to make a shift in the way he was looking at Paul. Joshua, who followed under Moses for decades, had to learn how to lead on his own and shift into his own leadership. Right? Moses saw the Red Sea parted, but Joshua had to see the Jordan parted. 
He couldn't just coast off the miracle. He couldn't say, oh, yeah, I know God does that. Yeah, he did it for Moses. Okay, that's good enough. I've learned the lesson. I've got no. Joshua had to transition into his own miracles, his own faith, his own trust. He couldn't coast off of what had happened before. He had to shift with God. God is asking you to shift in the season, to reset some things, to embrace transition that's going to happen. It's happening already for our nation, for churches, for your family, for plans. God's asking us, I believe, as a church to embrace and navigate transition. Let me say this. Transition is the catalyst to everything that God has next for your life. Transition is what launches you into your next season. It's what propels you into destiny. I shudder to think of what would have happened, where I'd be in life if I had stayed and not embraced change. At every juncture, especially the ones that were painful, especially ones I wanted to curse and hate those seasons. I shudder to think what would happen to my, would have happened to my life, where I would have stayed what would not be, who would not be in my life, what I would not be doing if I'd have stayed and thought small and resisted change just because I didn't like it, just because it was unfair, just because I didn't like the way it feel, it felt. Look, Jesus was effective in ministry because he was committed to transitioning, shifting with God and, and shifting with where God would lead him. He said, I only do the things that the Father has called me to do. I'm not out there doing everything. I'm doing what the Father's asked me to do. Jesus was modeling transition for us. And we don't need to spin every plate that's out there. Just the ones God has given us. The ones God wants us to be good stewards over. Look, I want to go to verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. And so he went to Zarephath and then The word of the Lord came to him. Let's go back to that verse. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. And so he went to Zarephath. Verse 8, one more time. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Follow this. The brook dried up and then the word of the Lord came to him. The provision stopped and then the word of the Lord came to him. What was familiar stopped And then the word of the Lord came to him. What he'd always known stopped, and then the word of the Lord came to him. Some of you are getting ministered to by this word that I'm speaking at this very moment. And the Spirit of God is directing you because he's going to speak a word to you in this season about what's next. The brook has dried up, and now the word of the Lord is going to come into your life. It's going to come into your life for your future and for your finances. This is the time. Come on, Jesus said it often. He who has ears to hear and eyes to see. This is a season for our ears and our eyes to be tuned in like never before. Like never before. There's never been a time like this in history. Never been a time like this in our nation. With all the technology that we have, with all the question marks, with the political leaders all fighting over all of this, and the doctors and everybody saying this, and next week it's that, and you wear a mask and you don't wear a mask. There's never been a better time to tune your ear to the voice of the good shepherd. And hear what he has to say. Because the people that should have answers apparently are more confused than ever. But God's not confused. And when the brook dries up, the word of the Lord comes. God doesn't leave his children begging for bread. He doesn't leave us hanging. He directs us. 
That's good news for us this morning. The word of the Lord is going to come. As you follow God in this season, the word of the Lord is going to come to you. Some of you are in, in transition right now. And I've been praying for God to give you new, new vision and new, new, for some of you, new values because your values have been off. Your values have been in something other than the first things that God asks us to keep first. Our relationship with him, our, our income, how we handle that, how we honor him with that, our relationships, our values of how we view people and how we treat people. People are not pawns in our game. They're not, they're not here to get us to something else. They're, they're people that are loved by God. And some of us are, are being directed by the spirit of God to value people because we've not valued people before. We see them in our way as we're trying to get somewhere. That's not how God values people. In verse 9, he says, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. See, in transition, provision is on the other side of Elijah's obedience to the Lord, specifically to the word of the Lord. There's already provision waiting for Elijah, but Elijah has to face the fact that the brook is dried up. He has to face the fact that the word of the Lord has come, and then he has to face the fact that he has to obey in order to see God provide for what's next or lead him into what's next. See, in this case, God told Elijah, I've already got somebody there waiting for you. A lot of times God doesn't tell us that. He gives us the word of the Lord and just calls us to obey. But on the other side of obeying is the provision that we need, are the relationships that we need, are the answers that we need, are the answers to the questions that we have. It's the next season that we're supposed to be in. See, God has directed and provided for your life up to this point. And it's not just you moving. It's God moving other people to show up after the word of the Lord has come and you've obeyed it. When you've stepped into and you've looked at your wife and, or you've looked at your husband and say, I believe this is where the Lord is leading us. And, and not fight about that, but, but come into agreement about where God is leading you. And, and think bigger than the discomfort of a season. And think about your children and the generation to come. And, and think about what's going to happen, not just tomorrow or next week, but really what this season is going to produce. See, those are bigger thoughts that we're scared to think, but those are the thoughts that matter. Because all of this plays into so much more of what will happen in, in and through Elijah's life. We'll read about more of that next week. But it says, verse 10, so he went to Zarephath. The key here is those two words. He went. It didn't say he thought about it. It didn't say he prayed about it. It didn't say he dwelled on it for the next six months and lamented over coffee with friends about whether or not he should obey the Lord. He went. Some of us are waiting to be sent. And it comes down to whether or not you went. God is directing us many times to go, to move forward. I hope this is bringing some answers this morning to you. Because when we say he went, what we see here is the reality, this is where some people get stuck. They get the word of the Lord. They get the, the dream from God, the vision from God. They get the next step from God. They get the next step in their relationship with God. And then they, they say, uh, I don't know. That's going to cost a lot. I sure like this brook. It's dried up, but there's still a few drops flowing. Maybe I'll just drink off of the few drops that are left in this brook 
as long as I can, and then we'll see what God has next. Instead of trusting the provision that God has. See, some people get stuck because God said sit, but they wanted to stand. Or God said stand, they chose to sit. Yeah, come on, you ever been in a, in a vehicle, you get into a vehicle with someone, or you're about to, and you call shotgun, and you get the front seat, and then they get all grumpy, and they get mad, and they sit in the back seat. Remember when you were kids? Some of you still do that as adults. But remember when that happened when you were kids? And somebody's in the back seat complaining, maybe your brother or cousin or sister, and they're upset because they wanted the front seat, and they wanted to control the music, and they wanted to do what they could, but now they're in the back seat. See, sometimes when you go, other people get mad because you went, you obeyed. God had a seat. You called shotgun. You jumped into the seat. You moved forward. And other people are grumpy because they're not in the seat that you're in. I'm telling you, creativity and courage will attract critics. And you have to be willing to look past that and look beyond that and keep moving with the word of the Lord. Keep moving with what God has given to you. Keep moving with what God has over your family and over your life. Come on, God didn't speak to you in a whisper to ask you to go hide in a cave. He caused you to stir in faith with that word and step boldly into what he has for you. Your future and your life story is built on every next step that you take. And a life of faith and trusting God should certainly have some next steps in it. This is what we see from Elijah's life. I want to close just for the next five minutes with these five quick points. All right, number one, this is how I've navigated transition over, over the years. And I believe these, these points that I'm going to give you, very practical, but very helpful in the same way. Number one, get your head and your heart aligned. Okay, when you're navigating transition, you've got to get your head and your heart aligned. Say it one more time. Get your head, what you're thinking, what you're thinking when the fear comes, what you're thinking when you don't know how it's going to work, and then get your heart where you love God, where you trust God, where you know God has provided, where you know God's been faithful. You've got to get these two things aligned because that's often where the disconnect comes. The heart says yes, but the head says no. God says yes, but our fear says no. Get your head and your heart Align. Many people leave their last season, and in their head, they know it's over, okay? But their heart is still tied to the last season. I see this all the time. People in relationships and in, in, in stages of life or even churches where they're, they're mourning what was. They're in something new, but they're still mourning what was. Their head and their heart are not aligned. They're, they're living in a now blessing, but they can't Embrace it. They can't even receive it because they're stuck on what happened in the last church or the last relationship or the last business or the last job. And now the filter that they see through is off because their head and their heart are not aligned. People are focused on their pain instead of a plan. That's probably one of the biggest ones. You get focused on your pain instead of a plan. When you enter into seasons of pain, which are guaranteed, none of us are getting out of this life without some pain that we experience but whenever we face pain, we have to turn from that pain to a plan. And that's not oversimplifying things. That's the reality, whether that means therapy, whether that means counseling, whether that means deliverance and healing and prayer and worship and time and a year or two. But nevertheless, your pain needs a plan. Otherwise, you'll sit in it 
and your head and your heart will never be aligned with what God has. See, some people don't know how to transition out of their pain into a plan. They focus on the pain of the lost job instead of the plan for a new opportunity. See this all the time. You see this too. See with, you see this with people who are stuck in seasons where the brook dried up. And God wants to provide. And God wants to lead. People's head and heart is in the line. Here's how I've learned how to transition out of pain. This is, these are things I've told myself and talked myself through as I followed the Lord. Number one, there's too much of God I've already experienced to stay in pain. There's too much goodness of God I've experienced to stay right here and wallow in this and dwell in this and mourn this. I've, I've seen too much goodness of God to stay right here. I'm not staying here. He's been too good. He's delivered me before. Yeah, I don't feel healed now, but I'm not going to stay here and stay unhealed because God's healed me before. If I stay here, it's just going to stay unhealed. Secondly, there are too many people who need Jesus, and I play a part in that. There are too many people in this world who need Jesus, and me staying stuck in my pain is not helpful. Number three, there's too much that I've overcome to stay here. There's too much I've overcome to stay here. All right? So get your head in hard line. Number two, don't compare where you are now to where you were. Come on. Leadership always has an expiration date. Every quarterback, no matter how great he is, always has an expiration date. Every boss has an expiration date. Every dream, every season has an expiration date. Don't compare where you are now to where you were. There's nothing quicker to get your heart all messed up. Look, Egypt, all right? Israel, when they were in Egypt, they got freed from slavery and from bondage, and it didn't take them long to start complaining about where they were and start looking back to what was. And they convinced themselves in the now blessing that what was bondage, slavery, torture, torment, lack, that that was better than freedom. That's what happens when we start telling ourselves after the brook dried up that transition is bad, that change is bad, that somehow what was is better than what is. We mess ourselves all up. This is a shifting season, church. Number three, gauge and assess your relationships. Come on, stay with me just another few minutes. Gauge and assess your relationships. Take a good look right now. Who do you have in your corner? Who's about the will and the purpose of God? I think this is important with every transition because it's not popular to say, but some relationships expire because they were seasonal. Maybe they were a reason, maybe they were a season, but some relationships expire. It doesn't mean they lose value as a person or in our life, but, but it means that the level at which you were connecting is no longer fulfilling the purpose of God for the season. And so we have to learn how to navigate those with grace and with, with honor with for people. But gauge and assess your relationships because they are critical to our success in the future. Number four, widen your comfort zone. Widen your comfort zone. Come on, push the boundaries to the right and forward and to the left. Come on, this is what is comfortable, but when I, I push out of that and I, and I stretch and make some space and widen my comfort zone, give myself the ability to do what Paul said in Philippians, to press on toward the goal 
of the upward call of Jesus Christ. It's hard to press on when you're stuck. It's hard to to press on when you're still looking at the brook that's dried up. It's hard to press on when you're not obeying the word of the Lord. It's hard to press on when you see that God is calling you forward, but you want to stay stuck in pain instead of a plan. Widen your comfort zone, friends. Think kingdom, not just paycheck. Think kingdom not just job. Think kingdom, not just who you know. Do you realize that Grace Avenue Church, the totality of it is from ways in which God has sustained us that I never could have dreamed. You know, our church is in the healthiest place for a pandemic. It's in an incredibly healthy place. (laughs) With people not walking in the doors for months, it's in an incredibly healthy place. Relationally, Uh, vision-wise, connectivity, serving-wise, generosity-wise, across the board, the church is not in survival mode. It's not surviving. It's thriving. Okay, but we had to widen our comfort zone beyond, well, what happens if we close the four doors or the four walls and the doors? What happens when we close it? We didn't have to worry about that for very long because we saw immediately people were not connected to a building they were connected to a vision people had widened their comfort zone enough and we got to see pretty quickly who was connected to a building who was connected to a vision we got to see who were the consumers and who were the carriers it's amazing to see what God will do when you trust him with what he's put in your hand here's the last point today rest and focus on today Rest and focus on the goodness of God today. Come on, your spiritual diet right now is more important than anything else. Your spirit and the state of your spirit and the condition of your spirit in transition is more important than everything. Don't give the devil any room to disrupt the peace that God has tried to establish. Don't let the brook drying up think, get you thinking that the brook was your source. God has always been your source. Rest and focus on today. Look, I've heard a lot of people say in this time frame, well, not as much this last month, but at least the first four to six weeks, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. I can't wait for things to get back to normal. But here's the thing. Some of the same people that were saying that were miserable about normal. (laughs) They were always complaining. They complained about the traffic and the heat and the job and the time and the lack and what they didn't have. And, And it's almost... I would sometimes just think, can you not see how good your life is? How you have things that I know 10 people are praying for right now? Can you not see how good it is? Rest in your spirit and focus on today. For some of you, the pace and the rhythms were off. God has shifted that. He's changed that. And he's asking you to navigate this transition for your home, for your finances, for your future. Transition is part of life. I want to pray this morning that as we close out that you would navigate this transition with grace and faith. The grace of God, knowing God's grace will cover you. It'll hold you. Come on, if you knew all the unknown that Janelle and I had to overcome not just to start, but to navigate even before Grace Avenue started, to navigate some of the things that have come our way and showed up on our doorstep in the midst of trying to lead. You'd be shocked. 
You'd never sign up to serve God if I told you some of the stories that have happened. God will give you grace to navigate the transitions, the curveballs, the things that come your way. He'll give you the grace. He'll give you the strength. Sometimes you look at people who are stronger than you and you say, man, how how do they make it through that? They stood in the grace of God. And when you learn to stand in the grace of God, when things are shifting, when the winds are blowing, come on, Jesus said that the winds will come and the storms will blow the house down that's on the wrong foundation, but the one that's on the right foundation, which is his words, they will stand. So stand on his words today. Rest on his words today. He loves you. He's got a plan in all this. And it shouldn't be a mystery that your spirit is feeling the shift that's happening in our church and in our, in our lives. It shouldn't be a mystery. God is speaking. So embrace the transition. Embrace the shift. You don't need to know the answers. You just need to know the brook is drying up. And God is going to bring the word of the Lord to us as a church, as individuals, as families. Some of you are going to get new dreams, new visions, new businesses, new opportunities, new life. Through this transition, God's going to give you things that you didn't even know exist. He's going to bring relationships in that you didn't have before. By this time next year, some of you are going to be standing in such a brand new place you could not even imagine God would have brought this in. Because he works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Let me pray for your life and bless your life as we dismiss this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the brook drying up because we know the word of the Lord, our source is coming. Lord, some of us have the word right now and some of us are getting our hearts and our heads ready to receive it. Lord, would you rain miraculous provision down on your people in this season? God, would you remove and eradicate the fear that is trying to establish itself in the hearts of your bold, righteous people? God, would you establish them in thought, in word, in deed? Would you lift them out of the darkness and the confusion for any who might be resting there and setting up camp in their pain? God, give them a plan. Lord God, for those who are afraid of change, Lord, remind them they have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind, self-control, the ability to stand their ground in the midst of confusion or confusing times. Lord, today is Grace Avenue Church. We embrace the transition that you're leading us into, God. Lord, we're not going to deny it. We're not going to wish for things to be back to normal. We're not going to wait to see where things are. We're going to pursue you, God and see where you're leading us as a church and as a nation. For those of you right now who maybe this word really, it really hits you. And you're sensing that the brook has dried up in this season in whatever area of life. I mean this in all sincerity. I want you to just stretch your hand in faith towards the screen right now just as I'm praying for you. This is just a, is a sign of faith. You're just going to reach out. Come on. It says, I press on toward the goal of the upward. We're having to press on. We're having to reach for the upward call. Come on. The call is upward. It's not, it's not easy to go upward. You're reaching for what's upward. Just stretch your hand towards the screen right now. I'm going to pray for you. The brook is dried up, but God is going to bring the word of the Lord. 
May the Holy Spirit bring the word of the Lord right now over your life. May he make it so clear. May he bring dreams and visions. May he stir boldness in his people. Lord God, I prophesy right now over every individual where the brook has dried up. God, I prophesy provision and hope and relationships and newness and life and grace and faith and opportunities and new doorways and new pathways. Lord God, let it be in Jesus' name that people do not stay stuck at the brook that dried up, but they are propelled into new provision, into new life, into the new place that you have for them. Lord, we receive it in your mighty name, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Come on, just receive that this morning. What do I mean by that? I mean, take it as yours. Say, that's mine. Say, that word is mine today. That word is from the Lord for me. I'm going to embrace that. Come on, God is timeless. He's in every season. The Bible says he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Today, that word rests in faith in your heart. And I'm believing God's going to use it. I want to hear the stories of this. When, when all this starts to unfold, I want, to, I want you to send testimonies to our church and let us know how God directed you in this season. Until then, next Sunday, I'm going to be bringing the second part of this message. And remember, Wednesday online, we're always bringing something fresh for you uh, on our, our Facebook page. So we love you. God bless you, Grace Avenue Church. We will see you next Sunday. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.